There are bad beats, okay? And then there's what happened in the Monday night game between Baltimore and Cleveland. Was Lamar in the bathroom? Was he cramping? Was what happened? The late safety to push the line? Whatever. We were winners here. Welcome in to the Game Day Podcast. Adam Kramer here doing a solo. Marcus Moser is out. We will be joined by Cynthia Freeland of NFL Network to talk running backs, to talk some games, to talk Steelers, to talk lots of things. But in the meantime, let us uh, embrace the that bad beat, okay? We've seen a handful of these every year. Okay, the line sort of pretty much ended up at Baltimore minus the three. It looked like a push with that field goal. Cleveland tries those dramatic um, fumbles almost cost a friend of mine a fantasy game, by the way. He had Kareem Hunt. He was up like 0.8 points. Kareem Hunt fumbled. If they would have recovered, he would have lost all sorts of fantasy drama, all sorts of gambling drama. Mm-hmm. That safety swung millions and millions and millions of dollars, and that's why we love to do it, and that's why we love this podcast. Reminder, you can listen uh, to this podcast the game day podcast spotify apple podcast wherever you get your podcasts and go to the game day.com to check out what prices you can grab right or you go to the window see what's available and hopefully we'll give you guys some guidance here as it stands now the guidance uh at least from myself marcus as well been pretty good four and one last week 19 and 11 on the year i am 19 and 11 let's go marcus three and two 21 and 19 even though marcus is not here we do have have his picks the show must go on marcus we miss you dearly come back they don't want me to ruin this thing in your absence okay so the biggest thing i learned last week i learned a couple of things i I like this segment because it's um i do you know winners and losers and i have a chance to kind of think about all the prongs of it my big takeaway is that i think washington is a team that we're going to really be worrying about in the future you've got to figure out what you're doing at quarterback but chase young that defense I, I really like that foundation. Now, you got to figure out what you're doing at QB. Um, that's not an easy thing to figure out if you're not picking at the top of the draft. Uh, do you find yourself in a Carson Wentz situation, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, right? Uh, do you find yourself, what are you going to do to fill that role? Uh, you know, Alex Smith has been good, but I just feel like they've got some pieces on offense that you like. The defense is great. I loved uh, what I saw from them. The other piece, I think Buffalo is just going to be a miserable team that you, you don't want to see in the playoffs. That offense, the short routes, Stephon Diggs, a good running ba- game, running backs that can catch the ball. Josh Allen, when he is in, is a really difficult person, uh, just general to deal with. And I love what we saw from the defense. So it's no surprise. But I absolutely love what I've seen from Buffalo in beating the Steelers. And if that carries forward, I, I, don't, I don't know if they're going to lose, which is deeply envious as a Jets fan. That was supposed to be our formula in that same draft class. I think we got the wrong guy and the wrong coach and a lot of the wrong other things. Okay. On the topic of quarterbacks, the other thing, of course, that really jumped out this week, and I talked about it in winners and losers was Jalen Hurts. Carson Wentz benched. That contract is a absolute disaster. And before we talk about Carson Wentz, a few thoughts on Jalen Hurts. Um, Awesome right? A guy goes from Alabama to Oklahoma. Lincoln Riley gives him a crash course in playing quarterback. He's still a little bit raw, no sacks taken. I'm really interested to see what we get from him. We'll pick that game here coming up. I want him to do well, um, but I'm very interested to see, you know, with the pieces that they have, I think there's going to be some bumps along the way. And I think that really, really complicates matters when it comes to what you do with Carson Wentz. On the topic of Carson Wentz, talking kind of pre-show, right? Where are the destinations, three destinations that he could end up? 
Okay, that's going to be really hard. His his contract extension, 128 million, has not even kicked in yet. Okay, this is shaping up to be a franchise like boat anchor of a contract. If it's as bad as we think it's going to be, right? Um, and we'll have to see if that's the case. Maybe he's just got the yips, maybe not. Uh, via Sportsline, if not the Eagles, and by the way, the answer that I had would be the Eagles, would be the Colts even, Patriots plus 300, Broncos plus 550, Bears plus 1,000, 49ers plus 1,500, and Washington plus 2,500. I actually think um, those last two spots would be the most interesting. I think the first two in terms of favorites are certainly the most likely. Now the Colts, they have Philip Rivers. Don't replace him. Sign him to a 25-year deal. Build him a statue. You know how we feel about Philip Rivers on this podcast. Um, that That's a one-year deal. He's played fine. He's probably not the answer. The connection between Frank Reich, obviously, uh, his former coach uh, who really allowed Wentz to thrive, that is too obvious a connection not to make. Uh, Reich was the offensive coordinator and Wentz looked like an MVP candidate, frankly, throughout. It was just, that was when we thought we were seeing the next great quarterback. It's kind of strange that we're not. Colts have an enormous amount of cap space, uh, close to 70 million next year. Again, it's the obvious choice, but I think it's potentially the right one. Still, that is a ton of money to eat from a guy that has frankly looked broken. On the topic of broken, the Patriots make sense. This is a perfect like this is like your house when you want to renovate a room. Bill Belichick's looking at this thinking like, how can I fix this guy? Uh, Cam Newton has felt kind of broken. I mean, it's it's not working. So do you want to take on a new project in Karsten Wentz, one that's obviously uh, hopefully a bit healthier and could certainly fit that mix? Um, the last one that intrigues me a bit is Washington. I mentioned it earlier. I think that if you can get this guy and you're confident that you're going to fix him, whatever has broken him, this is like the position that you have and you're not going to be in a position to potentially draft that guy. Although I don't know, maybe a guy, someone like Kyle Trask or Zach Wilson, maybe that falls to you. And maybe that's the route you go. Dwayne Haskins does, does not appear to be it. This is another way to do it and also keep draft equity. If you could figure out how to work this contract on the books, um, I, I think that'd be very curious. And the, and the last point I'll make about uh, Wentz is we saw Brock Osweiler a couple of years ago with the Broncos where you literally traded a magnificent, huge salary for like draft picks. I think it's unlikely we see that, but what if you're the Jets? Do you take on that salary in a backup role potentially for first round pick or something of that nature? This is such a unique contract and such a unique situation that I think we're going to probably see some unique activity. That being said, he's on the bench now. The value is decreasing every time he's not playing. Uh, the value is at an all-time low here. How are you going to stomach? How's an organization going to stomach taking on that big of an asset? Uh, how are you going to like sell that to management? Not an easy thing to do. And again, the big money hasn't even started yet. Not great. Um, not great at all. Okay. We transition uh, before we welcome in Th Cynthia to our official picks of the week. If you have not been using them, you have been missing out on winners. 1911 I am. I can't even have here. Uh, I can't even gloat to Marcus this week because he's not here. 19 and 11. Marcus has been uh, been getting, you know, solid as late just right now. I'm on fire. I'm sure I'm going to burn everything up here now that I've been uh, boasting about it a bit. But let's move into the picks and let's start with a really, really interesting game. And that is the Chiefs minus three at the Saints. Kansas City is 12 and 1, 6 6 and 1 against the spread. New Orleans 10 and 3, 7 and 6 against the spread. Now, 
The last time the Chiefs covered a game against the spread was November 1st against the Jets, my Jets. Very bad game. The Jets, when you need a stat somehow that's very sad for some other team, it seems to always involve the Jets. They have not been great. And I'll, this is something I've been thinking about quite a bit this week. Are the Chiefs bored? Are they not maybe as good as we think they are? And we're just enamored with Mahomes, Andy Reid? Or are teams just playing them tough? And then this is not a sign of things to come. And they're not going to cover, but they're going to win a lot of games. I think they are playing with fire a little bit. And I think this point spread speaks volumes. We're not exactly sure what's going to happen with Drew Brees. Um, 11 broken ribs, suboptimal, by the way, if you're playing with 11 broken ribs, that sounds like one of the worst things ever. Um, so it could be Taysom Hill. Um, and I don't know if it necessarily changes my opinion on this game all that much, because I don't necessarily think if Breeze plays, he's going to come back and be explosive Breeze. He's played well in spurts, but still coming off a big injury, hasn't played in a while. I still think you'd see a conservative game plan. Here's what jumps out to me, though, in, in this game. Uh, the Saints obviously lose uh, last week, but here's what the defense has done in terms of output from the opposition the last couple of games. Three points, 13 points, nine points, three points, 16 points, 24, 24 points. Of course, that's Jalen Hurts. Like it's kind of an odd anomaly there, um, but that's pretty good. I think this defense is one of the better stories of the year. I think it's one of the least talk about things. I'll, I'll go to this as I look at this game. Um, I like the under. Whether Breeze plays or not, and I think I, I would want to know that before I make a pick on the side, I'd lean towards the Saints. Not a Chiefs hitter, but I'd lean towards the Saints, and I just think this is an under game. I'm thinking in that, you know, 20 to 17. I, I don't think, I mean, we expect massive explosiveness from the Chiefs, and the one thing about picking an under in the Chiefs game is, like, they can do it at any time. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the case here. I think that New Orleans last week ran into Jalen Hurts, probably was not preparing. And I think you're going to see this defense uh, turn back into one of the best defenses in the NFL, which again, I don't think they've got the appropriate credit for. Okay, next game. Speaking of Jalen Hurts, Eagles. Uh, by the way, Marcus's pick, he's he's with the Chiefs. Want to get Marcus's pick out there? Not, not here today. I can't do his commentary. Um, he'd probably say something glowingly about Patrick Mahomes. I don't know, right, Marcus? I'm sure he'd throw in some some far more uh, impressive ex, uh, statistics and other information that Marcus likes the Chiefs. Eagles at Cardinals. Cardinals are minus six, over under 49 and a half. I also don't, it's not good to come out of the gates with like an under bet. I feel like you're just immediately, you're playing with fire there. All right, so Eagles at Cardinals, minus six, over under 49 and a half. Marcus has the Eagles with the points. So Marcus is buying, buying the Jalen Hurts hype. He has not said that to me. But if you're going to do this, you're going to assume that what you've seen from Jalen Hurts is what you're going to get. So Arizona seven and six, six and seven against the spread. Philly four eight and one, five and eight against the spread. The Eagles had lost four in a row till they beat the Saints. Jalen Hurts, as we mentioned, 167 yards passing, 106 yards rushing, one touchdown, uh, no sacks. So concern I have in that game. Talked about this in the winners and losers video this week. Big first half. Not a particularly great second half, um, which is you're going to expect to see adjustments here. And I still think that the area that I've watched Jalen Hurts for years, I've covered him in a couple of national championships, I've, bowl games, Heisman. I mean, I, you know, college Jalen Hurts and I go back a bit, um, have loved watching the evolution of his game. I still think the accuracy is an issue. I think his escapability is going to help out a lot here for a pretty athletic defense. 
but I expect we'll see a regression. So my pick in this game is the Cardinals. Cardinals got right against the Giants. That offense has still not looked completely right. I don't necessarily think it has to be here. I think this will be a very similar game to what we saw last week. Was that 24 to six? I think you'll see kind of a similar output. Uh, Eagles will probably get a few more points. Let's call it 24 13. I like the Cardinals here. I think it's a good spot. Jalen, I'm, I want you to do well. Uh, I think you will do well. It just may take some time to get there. Uh, two more games to go. We're doing four um, spotlight games this week. Seattle minus five at the Washington football team, which is still ridiculous to say months later. Uh, over under in this is 44 and a half. That's an interesting total. Marcus, by the way, has Seattle to cover. Um, I'm going to be on the over under in this game. Excuse me. It's probably an omen that it's not going to cover now, but I am on the under in the game. And here's why uh, Seattle, by the way, nine and four, seven, six against the spread Washington, six and seven and seven, five and one against the spread. Uh, so Seattle crushes the jets. Congratulations. Thank you, Seattle, for getting us one step closer to Trevor Lawrence. That game was gross. It was over in the first quarter. Um, the Jets were really bad. I thought Seattle's defense played better. Uh, I thought the offense played well, but I still think that this offense is just not what we saw earlier in the year. As a Russell Wilson fantasy owner, uh, I can tell you it's not because it just not there just hasn't had that same sync that it once did. Uh, Washington is on a bit of a run. 4-0, 4-0 against the spread uh, in the last four, uh, three road games that they played. Um, the Alex Smith injury to the calf uh, and, and his status is a bit up in the air, uh, makes this one tough to me. And it's more, it, I'm more prone to make this an under game as a result of that. I think Seattle's going to cover in this game. Most likely I'm thinking, I'm thinking in that 27-10 range. I just don't know where that Washington offense is going to come from, but I really, really like this defense. It's not just Chase Young, but go back and watch the play where he just sort of scoops up the football and just runs with it naturally. A man that big should not move that well. I said that in Winners Losers video. Um, I just love what I've seen from him, even if the statistics haven't been there. So under for me, Marcus Seattle, um, so far, we have gone, we're, we're only, um, we're going our separate ways mostly uh, in the Eagles Cardinals. We're, we're going up against each other. Last one, uh, Texans at Colts. I laughed because I'm looking if Marcus picked Philip Rivers. He did not. Texans at Colts, minus seven, over under 51. Of course, Philip Rivers, fan favorite on the show. Marcus is going with the under. He can't, he just can't do it. I'm sure when he put in his picks, he was thinking, I, I just have to stay strong, not pick, pick Philip Rivers. He did. I am taking the Colts. Uh, got off the Philip Rivers bandwagon a couple of weeks. Got off at the right time. Uh, I'm ready to get back on now. Indy is nine and four, eight and five against the spread. Houston, uh, four and nine and four and nine against the spread. These two teams played a couple of weeks ago. You had that weird fumble play. Texans were in line to really win that game. And then they get absolutely destroyed, absolutely destroyed by the bears. That's one of the weirdest results of the year. Not that, not that it's all that important, um, but it was just bad. Uh, I mean, the bears have been really bad. I could tell you here, people don't know in Chicago, don't know exactly how to process that, that win or that loss. And people, of course, that hurts the, dra the draft positioning for the bears doesn't do anything for the Texans because they don't have a first round pick. So just collective yikes all around. Indy beats the Raiders uh, 44, 27. I still like this offense. Um, the Indy defense 
maybe not as good as it was a month ago when we were talking that, about this being one of the, uh, the the best in the NFL, but I still think it's good enough. And I just think offensively, Indy's going to be able to overwhelm the Texans. And here's the other thing. If you're the Texans, you've got a couple weeks left. The season is bleeding out. You're coming off this inexplicable, uh, you know, four plus touchdown loss to the Bears. Uh, I'm not in a position to question the psyche of an NFL team or NFL players. And whenever you bet against Deshaun Watson, you are tempting it, but I'm going to do it here. I just don't think that's a loss that you back bounce, uh, bounce back from. Maybe it's just one game. Uh, maybe it's not either way. It's enough to sway me. And plus it's Phil Rivers. Like this is a, a matter of pride at this point. And at 1911, it has worked. So there are the picks uh, for this week. Marcus and I uh, agreeing on nothing, agreeing on nothing, but only countering in a few uh, in one game. We, we are under heavy this week, which is kind of strange too, for a podcast that's all uh, been about the overs mostly. So when we come back, uh, we will bring in our guests, Cynthia Freeland from the NFL Network. We will talk running backs. We will talk Steelers. Uh, we will bring her in as our special guest star into our pick segment. We will talk to you guys soon. Very happy to be joined by our next guest, uh, Cynthia Freeland. She's an analytics expert at the NFL Network. A couple of weeks ago, when we were looking at all the passing and you're looking at the yardage being down, I actually made a point in one of the videos saying like, this was you know, are the running backs going away? Are we going to go to the Alvin Kamara style where it's going to be a mix of things and you're looking at, you know, scrimmage yardage versus rushing yards. And then Derek Henry uh, does his thing, right? 400 uh, yard games in the past five games. So now all of a sudden, when you look at the total numbers, over 1500 yards, uh, 14 touchdowns, like somehow getting stronger as the season progresses for a man, his, his size, kind of baffling. So for your, in your opinion, with the games remaining, does he have a chance uh, to crack that 2K mark? You know, I think actually Derrick Henry could run for all 500 yards this week against the Lions because that's just what you do against the Lions defense. They've decided they don't want to tackle any running backs. Derrick Henry, he doesn't look like the guy you want to tackle, like even if they did like to tackle running backs. So probably getting at least 500 against the Lions this week. He's just, you know, he's just one of a kind is really what it is, right? He's very special as opposed to like, you know, some strategic move to, you know, and I keep stuttering because I just thought to myself about, Miles Sanders in that upset win against the Saints. I mean, the Saints had been, you know, they'd been really good using light boxes all season long until they ran into the Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders read option situation. So point being, there are some strategic moves in where run games do work really efficiently, but on the whole, Derrick Henry kind of, Derrick Henry like greater than, greater than, greater than in matchup terms. I don't know. Have you ever seen his high school stats? Like, have you ever, like, I feel like I, I posted this on Twitter like three or four years ago. And I feel like it's one of those retweets that's like sort of into the abyss because he's carrying the ball like 40 times a game and running for 500 yards. Like it still is kind of mind blowing that he is not uh, watching him like for on one of those 90 yard runs. It like does defy football physics, right? Like he's just a unicorn. And I, it's a guy that you just as, would assume would not age particularly well and he's the opposite like he's aging gracefully if not getting yeah, I mean, better remember when he was coming out in the draft it was him and Ezekiel Elliott and the knock on Derrick Henry was that he had too much tread worn off the tires because they used him for so many snaps at Alabama so you know if you look back to see like oh well Derrick Henry isn't going to be as good as Ezekiel Elliott because he's played too many snaps but again he is not it's sometimes I like have a hard time believing that we're the same species like I could theoretically donate a <laughs> kidney to him but I don't think he'd like want my like subpar kidney, but point being like, sometimes I don't think we're the same species. It's crazy. 
Yeah, I remember standing on the field before uh, an Alabama game, and it just was like I envisioned having to tackle him and how bad that would be. Um, it would not go particularly well, and it doesn't go well for professionals that are paid a lot of money to do this. Um, however, there's in terms of the whole idea of of kind of the hierarchy of the current running back, right? And you look at Derrick Henry, we talked about his numbers. We look at Dalvin Cook, who I absolutely love watching him play in terms of running hard and extra yardage, yards after contact and everything else. And then also Nick Chubb, who absolutely destroyed my fantasy team this year when he went out, not bitter at all, but still another guy that incredibly explosive, does so many things, obviously has had a great year when healthy. So as you evaluate the years and just general abilities of, of those three, uh, put you on the spot, I guess, to, to pick one, if you have one, which, uh, which back are you siding with? I mean, look, I think the durability of someone who has to run through a billion people and get tackled a billion times in every single play, no matter who you are, at some point that catches up to you. I also think strategically with the kind of modern way football is going with quarterbacks that look like the college quarterbacks, because by the way, it's supply and demand. That's what's coming out, right? Like you can't go back and remake Tom Brady, you know, really, right? You have to go with what's with what's in front of you. So I would say probably the, you know, the pass catching back, especially the pass catching back that is very versatile in the alignment, meaning the pre-snap motions are there from like like the Aaron Joneses of the world, right? Like the pre-snap motion, they can line wide, split back. I mean Alvin Kamara too, but I think of Aaron Jones a bit more because of their use of pre-snap motion in Green Bay that's just been super efficient. So I think that's kind of the future of that position. I think you you got to take a guy like that over Derrick Henry, even though because you don't know if you're going to get Derrick Henry, right? Like until he becomes what he's become, <laughs> it's better statistically to take one that can help you in the pass catching game and kind of mimic the run using a pass. Yeah. Uh, all three have been um, absolutely great. Um, and, and yeah, they are a bit throwback. So I guess when you're saying that is Dalvin then more of that fit because obviously of the three, um, you know, Nick Chubb, they have, you know, Kareem Hunt there to sort of be that back, that other back. Dick Chubb can catch, but Kareem Hunt is on third down. We saw him obviously the other night uh, make an unbelievable play. So would Dalvin then naturally just kind of fall into that position? You know, the funny part is like system speaking, Dalvin Cook plays in a very similar system that Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt play, right? Like the, you know, the, the deep reliance on play action. I think Baker Mayfield's a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins in almost every metric that I can, that I can measure them in, even though that could be controversial in some people's opinion, but I think he's a better quarterback. Um, the thing that's interesting about Dalvin Cook versus Chubb and Hunt is the O-lines. And Minnesota's O-line has not been great this season. They've had a lot of problems along that O-line. So that means probably Dalvin Cook's having a better season overall because he's been able to do more with a worse situation as opposed to Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Like, they get a really nice O-line to run behind. So that improvement in their O-line is really one of the bigger differences between pre-Stefanski and Stefanski because you get the run game going, you have the change of back, you know, change of, change of pace back in Kareem Hunt, and then you can get the play action going and all three things kind of have this fortunate, you know, this, this virtuous cycle. So, I mean, it's hard, to, it's hard to measure them kind of on their own because the system and the fit and the other people around them really matter a lot which is why running backs, some people say running backs aren't as valuable. I would argue that you've got to create the value for the entire offense to make whatever the things are work with the knowledge that your quarterback is your most valuable position. So, you know, that, that's, I, I don't know what the value is. It just depends on which team, which scheme and what you're trying to produce. So I, I think if you were to ask Nick Chubb to do what Dalvin Cook has done, 
then we could maybe compare them, but it's kind of apples to, you know, spaghetti at this point. We should ask him. Um, But speaking with transition naturally to the Steelers, which a couple of weeks ago, you know, didn't run the ball like at all. (laughs) And it was sort of, it's sort of been, in my opinion, the undoing, obviously James Conner has been out uh, and, and, and now back, and hopefully that will be a lift. It's a team that's struggling. So I I think it's a simple, very, um, you know, topical question is like, do you think the Steelers are done? Uh, obviously their odds have dropped to win the Super Bowl. Uh, they've lost two in a row. It felt a little bit like that undefeated season was, um, you know, it's undefeated. The results are the results, right? And yet we question the, the, just the reality of it. So you've got injuries, you've got the run game, you've got all these different things. Uh, just what are your general thoughts on them here after a couple of losses? Yeah. Like the Washington loss wasn't surprising. I think their O-line is kind of, I mean, Marquise Pouncey being out was a big loss, like literally and figuratively, right? So him being back is a big help. The inability to kind of, the play call on like third and one and not being able to get it two games ago, that was confounding, not necessarily something that we're used to from the Steelers and Mike Tomlin. And it's really a lot about the receiver drops. And some of those drops are on the receivers and some of those drops are on Ben Roethlisberger, like aiming the ball too low. So it's interesting to see as he's transitioned to this quick passer. I think now what happened is, in my opinion, is they had this scheme, this, this, they, they worked up a new plan. Now enough of it's been on film. They have enough to kind of catch the defense can catch up a bit and other defenses, obviously, because their defense is awesome. Like that's the strength of their team, but then now they have to figure out how to, you know, be efficient with the run game and make sure that whatever the, whatever the, if they want to go with the quick passes and they stop working, they need to have, that's what happened last game. They need to have an alternative plan because if that quick game doesn't work, then they're kind of screwed. So that's where that'll be. I don't think that they're going to, I don't think that they're done. I don't think that they're going to be going to the Super Bowl this year. Um, I just don't think they could get past the chiefs. Um, that, that would be sh- shocking to me if they, if chiefs are just crushing everybody. So just such a different <laughs> level. So I think the Steelers, but I think the Steelers are, they'll, you know, a very, you know, I think they'll be, you know, they'll win two playoff games, you know, and then. Yeah. Well, I, I think I'm kind of with you. I, I don't think they're done. And you get into that playoff mode and you have a couple of weeks to kind of reestablish your rhythm. They're out of rhythm. Um, if this continues, then I'm probably going to change my tune. And I, I would imagine you would as well. And I don't know the, the thing about the chiefs. That's very interesting in the conference as a whole, like, you know, the, the bills that was pretty dominant, right? Like that's a concern. Like if you're going to run into that, you just did. And that's probably not going to go well again, unless you figure out a way to slow down Josh Allen and, and cover some people. And yet you get into that single game format. There's enough talent there where you assume like you've got a chance as bad as it's looked in the last couple of weeks, you know what I mean? Like it, it feels like this is where you can kind of gain some of that momentum. And I guess, you know, bridging it to a final discussion item, which is, uh, dark horses. And, and I don't know if I'd call these teams necessarily dark horses, but I'm going to give you some teams and we're talking about winning the Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rams, the Seahawks, the Bucks, the Ravens, the Titans, and the Colts. As you look at that collection of teams and you're picking one that's, that's got your, your ideal shot at it, where are you going? With? You know, the interesting part is I'm immediately drawn to the Ravens because they've overcome some adversity. They, you know, missing Calais Campbell, in this offseason, they focused on their defense. That was clear. And Clay Campbell was out for a series of games. And 
one of the things that Campbell's provides, in addition to pass rushing, which is kind of his signature, right, is helping to stop the run. And the Ravens kind of, their offense was sputtering. They were trying to force throws when maybe they weren't there. I think they were maybe in their own heads a bit much. But I think that you saw something click in this last game against the Browns. And sometimes momentum, like, you know, statistics people, we don't, we technically don't believe in momentum, right? Because some people, what they call momentum, I would argue sometimes they're, you know, they're getting an extra possession on offense or, you know, like you don't get a safety at the end. That's weird, right? Like that just doesn't happen. A low probability event happens. But I would say being able to get into the zone where the things you're doing become more and more efficient, maybe that's the definition of momentum. And if so, then they're hitting that stride at a time that really makes a lot of sense. Because if, if the Ravens get a lead, it's going to be very hard to beat them just because how well they rush the ball with all of their running backs, like all of them, including Lamar Jackson. But it, you know, again, if they, if they jump off to a, if they get down, they don't not good to come from behind. But I think that whole with a lead, I think they'd be very scary, very scary in the playoffs. This has been a a very Philip Rivers heavy podcast for the better part of two months for whatever reason. (laughs) Um, So I'm, I'm inclined to say the Colts. Like I feel like I have a contractual obligation to say the Colts, but I won't. Uh, I'm going to kind of cheapen out with the Rams at at 11 to one. I just think that team is balanced. And actually I'd love to get your thought. Like, you know, we, the, the, the perception of McVay, you know, coming in this offensive genius, like the way they've kind of settled in and the way that the, that we just sort of accepted this team through some ups and downs and a lot more ups as just being good. And, you know, there's always the question of golf and what you're going to get and who's going to be the back in there and everything else. And yet their weapons or everything else, like, um, I don't know, that, that's a team that if you stack them up against pretty much anybody, uh, I feel like I've got a really good chance there. Yeah. So my, um, my take is that Ram- that the Rams and Sean McVay specifically, he doesn't get enough credit for being, self-aware maybe is the right word or at least coach aware right um the defense is the strength of this team and their offense is in many ways overall better than average but not it's not an like when you think of it when we go if you were to not put the names associated with any of it you know no McVay because everyone thinks offensive thing but if you were to like really this this defense that's what's number two scoring defense like tons of pressures. Aaron Donald commands at least two people's attention on every single stinking play. So the offenses have to tailor their entire game plan around one human being. And then they've got Jalen Ramsey. The so for me, the, what I think Sean McVay has done brilliantly is understand that with the weapons that he has and the people on his team, the production can come from the defense and the offense can play the second fiddle. And that's, that's very you know, there's a lot of egos in football and, and that's very, to me, that shows you that Sean is very wise and very good businessman. If you want to liken it to that. Awesome. All right. Well then I feel uh, some validity there. Like there's a little backup, the encouragement necessary. Okay. So last um, you get to join us for our kind of our pick segment, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to your perspective on some of these games. So we've got just a handful of games here that I'm going to, I'll toss to you to kind of get your perspective. Uh, hopefully it sways me. It probably will. Right. I mean, this is the, the, for, the rapid fire. I kind of never know which way I'm going to go until I go. So we'll, we'll start uh, of course with Browns at the giants, just your general, you know, kind of quick overview of this game. Daniel Jones injury problematic. I think Browns get right in this one. Yes. You know, I, wow, that, 
nothing. And, and I, I'm not afraid of the James Bradbury factor, although he's very good. And so is Blake Martinez on their defense. I still think you can like the Jarvis Landry sneaky pick for your fantasy playoffs. If you need to, too, is going to be helpful. Okay. I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go Browns minus mm-hmm. four, but I I'm concerned about the hangover. That's a, that's a rough, like the, that's a rough hangover to get over, right? Like really bad night. Your phone is gone. Your wallet is missing. Like that's a, that's a rough one. I feel like that you've got to bounce back from, but I'm kind of with you. I'm going to go there. Um, I'm in Chicago. So this game has You're in Chicago? some interesting. I, did, I'm, I'm I, I, am. I was a Northwestern girl, you know? Okay. Yes. So, well, then you could probably relate to and understand, I'm sure the, the bears uh, disappointment, although they're coming off kind of this very weirdly dominant win bears at Vikings. What do you have here? So this one's interesting to me and it will likely come down to a few, like I've, I've been going back and forth on this one with like, like my model spit out the, the, the Vikings will win by one. And then I've got to check injuries. I got to check everything. It's really because the bears defense has allowed too many rushing efficiencies meaning, and I say that because I want to include those short pass catches to the running backs because that's a rushing efficiency for all intents and purposes. Um, I just think Trubisky is too up and down, even though this is a defense that you can trust, a defense that has earned more and more trust. They have areas of vulnerability. They have areas where they can be exploited. I don't trust Trubisky to be able to find those areas to exploit. That, uh, that kicking last week was something. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't, uh, the Vikings, like that was, mind uh, blown. like like that is I'm, i have college roots that had very college football-y vibes to it i'm gonna i'm gonna go vikings uh i don't know what that was out of the bears i think people have been kind of waiting to see that i'll go vikings minus the three and if the bears reproduce that then uh bless them because i think people have been waiting to yeah. see more of it um pats at dolphins i think this is such a fascinating game because the pats looked kind of like the offensive numbers we've seen like the last three weeks. Well, like that was sort of the game we got mm-hmm. right last week. So dolphins got out early and then sort of the Kansas city chiefs did their thing. So what do you like here? You know, my gut says Patriots for no good reason, but my model says dolphins, but only by two. So I think it's one of those unique situations where the dolphins will win, but the Patriots might get the other victory. Um, my gut says Patriots too. And I think defensively, it's it's a really unique situation. We, you saw what happened to Justin Herbert, right? And I think I just think this is going to be probably a grotesque football game. Yep. Uh, I'll go Pats. I like him two and a half. I actually like him uh, to win nice. outright. Uh, speak speaking of grotesque football games, Steelers at Bengals. Um, I miss Joe Burrow greatly. I'm Dude, sure everybody I really does. Like Joe Burrow. The, he was. I not. A, I uh, mean, for whatever reason, the Bengals this year, you're just kind of like okay, and then. Joe Burrow really made them interesting. I just was always afraid because their O-line, I'm a big O-line tracker and I, their O-line, I'm not surprised he got hurt because their O-line is, was very bad, very bad. I, I don't have a great opinion on this game either. It wouldn't surprise me if the Steelers kind of mess around. Like this is a, a spot where they should get healthy and, and healthy in a football sense. Um, I, I just don't know. Like I, it wouldn't surprise me. I think we saw that was it 19 seven, like the Miami Bengals score from a couple of weeks ago. Like that's the kind of game I envision yeah. here. I think, you know, in that sense, probably go under the 40 and a half. So lions uh, at Titans, another big uh, spread. What are your thoughts here? We talked about Derrick Henry and two K. Uh, yeah. This is probably a game where uh, he gets a lot closer. You know, to the that. funny part is um, the funny part in this one is like Matthew Stafford drama. So I'm, I'm originally from Michigan and uh, lions are just 
perpetually just breaking. Yes. So bad. Um, the interesting part is Stafford's like the one thing I like, I think he's so underrated as a quarterback. Like I think any, like he'll probably be a Bronco next year and they'll go to the playoffs because that's, that's just what would happen. That's what Lions fans expect. Right. So, you know, long story short, I think Matthew Stafford will play and I don't think it will matter, but I do think that like last minute drama, Matthew Stafford. So my point is, is maybe if you're like playing daily fantasy or something, you could consider some of the pass catchers if Matthew Stafford is playing. But other than that, nothing interesting about this game. <laughs> I like points. I kind of, I'm kind of with you assuming he's playing. That is kind of a yeah. big if over the 51 and a half. I think Tennessee is probably good for, for 30 to 35 of that. Uh, I'm just asking for a little bit Detroit, which is maybe asking for a lot. And by the way, uh, another theme on this, I'm a Jets fan. So like, like you're, you're safe. You're in a safe spot to talk about your fan. I I do a show for the Jets. So I feel you. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry for all of us. Uh, Look, Makai Becton was a hell of a pick. And Quinn and Williams has had a nice breakout second season. Like let's keep those two healthy and life is going to be a lot better. You know, like, and then keep Still losing there. and, and draft, draft equity. I know this is what I keep saying, even if people on this podcast keep trying to bring me down. So thank you. That's the, Maybe the, the Jags will like right. sneaky win one more and then you don't Cause they're like a completely, I mean, I'm a Lions fan. I know what 016 feels like, and it's not good. Let's just say. Celebrating that uh, Hail Mary loss is one of the low points of my life. Fandom wise. Like that was a real pathetic showing that I had in my house mm-hmm. with the Jets losing on a really Mary. Not proud, but that's fine. All right. Last one. Actually kind of interesting because I feel like the Broncos at home, like in any spot, like regardless of the year or the quarterback or whatever, are always kind of dangerous. We've seen that already. Uh, so Bills at Broncos, what stands out? Nick Chubb, Bradley Chubb, Nick Chubb's brother, ranks sixth in the NFL in pressures, which is kind of low key, not talked about. I mean, that's enough. That's a next gen stats really helps like point out stuff like that. Cause it doesn't mean sacks. It doesn't mean, it just means pressures that have affected the play and the difference between Josh Allen this season. I mean, you heard, um, you know, Chris Collinsworth go on and on about how he's been so much better, not under pressure. So a good proxy for how good a quarterback is, is how he performs when he's not under pressure. That's like as good as it gets. Right. So he's gotten a lot better this season, but he still has some interesting things under pressure five touchdowns, five interceptions under pressure, like 23 touchdowns or whatever the balance is of that 20 some 24 touchdowns and, you know, just four interceptions when not under pressure. So the point is, is if you are able to get pressure on Josh Allen, that's how you could disrupt the game. So it possibly is the key to kind of figuring out, keeping it close or, you know, bringing the bills down from their like stratosphere right now, which would be very, you know, they're, they're flying high right now. It could be one game that they're overlooking, but you know, interesting. I'm with you. I'm with you there. And actually I'll ask you one quick follow-up after this, but I, I'm going to go Broncos and I'm going to go under, I think it's going to be kind of, I think they're going to ugly up. I think it's going to be like what they, the kind of game that you need for this to potentially be an upset. What is your drew lock? Like, like, where do you, uh, I covered him in college. I really like him. I, I like the the dancing and the lyric. I, he's a kid that has always had a great deal of confidence. And Doesn't in moments look looks like, right. the, the, no, no. And that's been a, a case for a while. And then in moments looks like, looks like the, look like a dude. So what are your, what are your general thoughts on him? And you probably got more numbers to, to have a, a more educated conclusion yeah, than I. I think the thing about Drew Locke is. So last season, his O-line let him down. And I told you I'm like big on O-lines because it's a huge deal. Um, 
this season, there's been a lot of confusion. The run game has been full of weird twists and turns of who's injured, who's not. Like that whole like Philip Lindsay, Melvin Gordon, this, that other thing. It's just been like, it's been kind of not consistent. How about put it that way? So that's always difficult because he needs to learn not, not, and this is every quarterback ever, right? Like they all need to learn. Then you don't have Cortland Sutton mm, makes it a little bit more difficult. And then by the way, Jerry Judy's a rookie. And by the way, he's a stud, but like, yes. but when you don't have preseason, you think someone's just going to, I mean, I know he went to Alabama and I, I gotcha, but you're not ready for the NFL. Like you are not. So I'm a little, to me, I, I like Drew Locke probably more than most in terms of what I think his potential is. But just like everyone else, he needs to be taught. He can't, no, people don't come out. Okay, maybe Joe Burrow has exceeded expectations, but you don't come out fully formed, right? You need, you need to Correct. evolve. Yeah, totally. you, need those, you need those good reps. And without like your key pieces and with inconsistency at your, at your offensive line and your run game being kind of, I'm using the word messy, it's difficult. It's, it, it makes it, it makes it more challenging. I think he would have been in a great situation if he could have gotten like the, like, even like, even going behind like a Carson Wentz, who's confusing anyways, but, but, or like, you know, like an Aaron Rodgers where he could have had a little bit of time to be cultivated behind someone who's just a student of the game. Like that is probably where most people have more success. Cause if you're willing to learn, but as far as like mentalities go and like the kind of person who you want to be on there, everything when I got to meet him it's like he loves it he wants to learn he's hungry to learn but you can't you know it's, it, it's like you know like try, me trying to play safety like I don't know how to play safety unless you teach me you know like you need to teach me what I'm supposed to be doing it's it's like a if in a world where patience is a thing at this position in this sport I feel yeah. like we would benefit from it and yet those days i are probably over unfairly so right like that's a perfect situation of someone that would probably sit benefit from a couple years although on the job behind uh, matthew doing, stafford doing all right in, now as, they got well. matthew St now we're cooking with gas get matthew stafford yes. for a few years carson wentz uh -huh. i mean you no, got no, get yeah, stafford. stafford's way better than wentz get matthew stafford <laughs> then sit him down oh, okay now you got now you got like a franchise situation going on here broncos john are you listening because he can hopefully probably yeah. Maybe. Probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, Cynthia, thanks yeah. so much. Really, really appreciate uh, you joining us. Where, where can we find you, whether on Twitter and obviously on the NFL Network? Uh, what else do you have going on? You know, on? on Instagram, just Cynthia Freeland, Twitter, C Freeland. I do a lot of like Thursday night cooking because in COVID, I like decided, I decided yes. I would start cooking. So I like make a meal on Thursday nights to sort of match what's going on this week. I think I'm going to use cookies instead of like something too Vegasy because I don't want to make a full buffet and I don't even know what food Vegas is known for other than like that hangover buffet. <laughs> I just got sous vide this week, mm. right? So this is going to be a, a voyage like for it. us to attempt to, to join this. Maybe I'll join you on Thursday okay. night. So uh, awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, reminder, you guys jump in on our debates. Uh, what do you think about our running back takes? Uh, what do you think about the Steelers? Everything else. You can also go to thegameday.com to check out some of the numbers and the affiliates there. Uh, thanks again, Cynthia. We'll talk to you guys next week.